If you are a wine enthusiast, Law of Averages said at some point as you're enjoying different wine styles, you are going to run into these three faults. And the three wine faults that we're covering today are corked wine, matterized wine, and oxidized wine. These three wine faults definitely are going to come into your world at some point. So if you've had questions about how do I know if it's a corked wine, what is a corked wine, what's matterized and oxidized wine, I have answers for you. So let's get started and dive right into today's episode. Hi, everyone, and welcome to The Wine Shop Talk. I'm your host, Somalia Aranozar, and I'm so happy that you're here with me today. If we haven't met before, it's lovely to have you here, and if you have, welcome back. Now, for those of you who are new, you should know that I've been a professional sommelier for over 20 years now, and it's my passion and my privilege to make learning about wine and other grown-up beverages not only fun and easy, but also practical. I want to make sure that you leave every episode with some real-life usable tips that you're able to use right away to find wines, beers, and spirits that you are going to love and share with family and friends. I want you to think of me as your very own practical sommelier. Before we get started into the three different wine faults we're talking about today, I do want to set a baseline on a couple of different topics. The first one being faulted or tainted wines are not going to physically do you any harm. So should you consume a wine that has either cork taint, is matterized or oxidized, they're not going to hurt you. So there's no concern in regards to your health and consuming a wine style that has a fault. The other thing is, is if you've ever wondered why at a restaurant, the server or wine sommelier or bartender offers you a glass of wine to assess, if you will, before they pour the rest of the bottle to the rest of your group at the table, this is why. What's happening during that process is the wine person is asking you to assess the wine and give them the thumbs up that you feel that the wine is healthy to pour to the rest of your group at the table. Now, this is a traditional step. We do it all the time. But if you've always wondered, why are they doing this? Are they just checking to see if I like the smell of it? We're not. We're asking you of, are you okay before I give this to the rest of your guests? Give me the thumbs up and I'll pour the rest of the glasses. Now, traditionally in regards to service, the etiquette of this says that once the host assesses the wine, that then it should be poured to the oldest female guest at your table. But not everybody follows the rule, but just know that there is a little bit of etiquette involved in how we actually pour the table once we're given the thumbs up. So that's just a fun little bit side tip. Now, the other helpful tip I have for you in regards to service is if you are having a big event or a dinner party where you're going to have multiple bottles of wine, it's really important that you test every single bottle. So just don't do an assessment of the first bottle that's poured to your guests. Make sure every time you open up a bottle, you do a quick check of that wine style. And by doing a quick check, what you're going to do is pour yourself just about an ounce in the glass, and then you're going to do a smell assessment. Smell the glass quick. And this is also why when you see a wine tester or a professional wine tasting, we don't swirl the glass at the beginning of our assessment of it. We check the color and then we hold the glass up before swirling it and we do a quick smell first. And that quick smell is a health evaluation. We don't want to swirl the wine in case there are some faulted aromas. They're just going to intensify by swirling. So we do a quick smell with no swirling first before we do the swirl. And that test basically will help us know that even if a still glass is there, if that aroma smell of a faulted wine cell is so strong, we know not even to continue with an assessment. Again, another sommelier tip for you of 
part of the process of how we assess wine. So anytime you're doing multiple bottles of wine at a dinner party or an event, make sure you do an assessment check for all of them. Wine faults, again, don't hurt you, but they're very common. It's estimated between 2 and 10% of wines on the planet have a fault to them. So law of averages says the more styles you are enjoying, the more often you will run into these. My experience is they seem to come in batches, unfortunately. You'll have a bottle and you'll find a fault in it. Then you'll try another bottle, same style or different, but you may end up with a run of faults, if you will. Let's dive into the faults themselves. And the first fault I'm going to talk about is corked wine or cork taint. You'll also refer to it. It's one of our most common faults. And obviously it is a fault coming from that cork closure, which is one of the motivators of why you're seeing different closures in wine bottles. We have obviously screw caps. You may have synthetic corks. We have glass corks. We have wine styles in a box that are enclosed within a plastic bladder. So the wine industry is continually evolving because if you think if there's an opportunity that up to 10% of your wines are not showing in a healthy condition, that's a lot. And what can happen is maybe you're not aware of the fault to actually name it, but you know you don't like the wine. There's something wrong with it. So you may just decide that it's a wine style that you don't ever want to try again or give a second chance to. And that's something the wine industry doesn't want. So the more you know about faults and how to detect them, the more you'll know that that wine is not showing at its best and to give another bottle of that style a chance. So let's talk about corked wine. What happens? It's one of the most common faults that you're going to run into. And how is it going to smell? How are you going to detect it? It's going to smell, most people will say like wet cardboard, wet newspaper. Some people will say wet dog. Uh, it's going to have a bit of a musty if you live in a humid climate or you have traveled to a humid climate. Kind of that musty basement or wet basement. It's going to have this bit of a damp sensation to it. It's also just going to have a really dull flavor to it. So if you smell it and you think, hey, this kind of smells damp, a little bit off, and you do take a sip of it, the wine is going to seem really dull on the palate and does not have any vibrancy to it. Now, corked wines can still have a sheen to them. So when we talk about the other two faults, one of the clues on those is that the wine actually looks kind of dull in regards to the reflective properties it gives back in the glass. But corked wines don't always have that property. So it may look shiny and vibrant in the glass. But then when you smell it, you get this musty, dusty, sort of damp, wet paper, newspaper, some people will say smelly socks, but it can be very, very slight and you may have to smell it a couple times or it can be full force and 100%. There's no doubt in your mind that this has a cork fault. Again, this isn't going to hurt you. You probably have questions of how does the actual cork fault get in the bottle? The fact of the matter is, is when we take the cork from the cork tree and the bark and we strip it to make corks out of it, some of that natural cork can be infected with what we call TCA. 246. It obviously has a very long chemical name to it, but you'll see it referred to as TCA246. And what this does is it's a fungi or bacteria, if you will, and it makes the cork have this musty smell when we put it in contact and why. The trick is, is that we don't know that it has it until it actually goes in contact with the wine. And then the problem is, is that we don't know it until you open it. And so you may find that we have batches of wine from a certain winery that end up having bought corks and some of those corks have been impacted. 
So you actually do a favor if you find a wine that is corked and you let the wine store know where you bought it, that this was a corked wine style. Or you visit that winery website and you let them know, hey, I tried your wine, had a cork fault, won't let you know. Because then that winery can go back and potentially some wineries can trace the entire lot that were packaged with those corks and see if there's a pattern there. So just a helpful tip that if you do find one, you can definitely let the winery and the wine store know and they'll be able to use that information. So just a tip there that if you do find a corked bottle, if you do share it with the winery or the wine store, it can help them locate other bottles that may be impacted by the same cork fault. So now we know that the cork fault comes from nature. Again, it's nothing bad. And the longer that cork has sat with the wine, the more integrated that flavor is going to be in that wine style as well. And some corks will just have a bit of this impact. Others will have a more of it. The other unfortunate part of a cork taint is that it doesn't care if this is a very collectible bottle or if it's your favorite Tuesday bottle of wine at a restaurant. It will impact different value wines the exact same way. It is indiscriminatory in regards to how it impacts. It all comes down to the actual cork closure and how that was impacted. The other fact is I will get asked about, can you have a corked wine in a bottle that is not closed with a cork? And the answer is actually, yes, you can have a corked wine without it having a cork closure. It's very rare. It doesn't happen very often. But sometimes this fungus, this TCA246, can actually be in the winery. And so it can impact screw cap bottles, glass closure. Does not happen very often, but it is a potential. So I do want you to know, just in case you open up a bottle, randomly it will occur. You're going to smell that bottle, do an assessment. And you're going to be like, hey, this smells like wet cardboard. How is it corked when it just came from a screw cap? So it can happen. But that's a cork fault, most common. So your nose notes, if you will, what are you looking for for a corked bottle? You're looking for this sort of wet cardboard, wet dog, wet newspaper, musty smell to it, damp. And if you take a sip of it, the fruit's just going to seem really dull. There's no life in the glass. And unfortunately, there's no way to remove this once the wine has in contact with it. You may find on the internet some people saying wrap it with saran wrap. The plastic will help pull out the cork. Definitely people have tried different things. But in my experience, unfortunately, once it's there, it's there. And you're not going to get better over time or in a decanter. You're just going to have to open up another bottle. And hopefully that one is fresh and lively and in a healthy condition. So now you have a better understanding about corked wine and how to find it. Let's move on to the second one, which is matterized wine. What's matterized wine? It basically means cooked wine. And matterized fault is actually named after the wine styles from Madeira, the island of Madeira. And Madeira is a wine style that we actually cook on purpose. It's part of the winemaking techniques. It's very special and very, very cool. And we will definitely do an episode all about it. But a matterized fault is a cooked wine. And on the nose, when you smell the wine, you are definitely going to get cooked fruit flavors, stewed fruit, old apple, those warm fruit flavors that have been cooked too long. You're also really going to notice it in the color. So red wines are going to have more of a brown. Think if you bake some strawberries or a strawberry's been left on the counter too long. And white wines are going to take on definitely sort of a burnt butter note. Those gold tones in white wines are going to show this cooked fruit. So think as if you cooked apple and how they turn brown in this process, you're going to see the same thing happen in wine. 
Now, this is usually a much easier fault to detect than a corked wine. Or corked wine, you might be like, is it slight? When you're getting to matterized wine, you're definitely smelling some cooked fruit flavors, and the color is going to be a clue. And the wine sheen, when you look in the glass, is generally very dull as well. So the wine has been baked, if you will, in the bottle. And this is why when you're setting up a wine rack at home, or if you're out in a restaurant, we really want to be careful about where we're keeping those wines, especially if you're storing them for a while. And we want to keep them out of sunny windows. We don't want a wine rack above a fridge or a stove or anywhere some of that radiant heat can come up. If you're visiting a restaurant and they have a bunch of bottles in a sunny window, just be careful there because anytime we have sun and heat and a wine bottle, whether it's in the trunk of your car or sitting in a sunny window, it has a chance of being impacted with this. Now, it's not going to happen overnight. So if you leave a bottle of wine in a sunny window for 24 hours or for a weekend, it's not going to be impacted. But a long, slow burn, if you will, in this bottle is going to turn it into a matterized wine style. And again, not going to hurt you, but definitely that wine is not going to be living up to its best potential. And our third wine fault is oxidization. And this is just as it sounds. Too much oxygen has come in contact with this wine which basically turns into vinegar. It speeds up its death, if you will, and you will get more of those apple cider vinegars, sort of tart flavors that come through. You can get a bit of that cooked flavor a little bit. Sometimes matterized and oxidized can happen in the same place. This is where we have some cork slippage. So if the cork is not sealed completely, so if you have a wine style that is dripping from the cork, it's on its side and you're seeing some liquid come out, that's definitely a red flag. You might be experiencing this. The sheen of the wine when we look at it, the glass is impacted, so it's not going to be a bright, shiny wine style. And you are going to get those sort of rough or unwell fruit flavors coming off of it. And think of this, if you take a bite of an apple and you leave it on the counter and maybe you leave it for a few days, you could still eat the apple, but it doesn't taste very good and it turns sort of rubbery. The texture changes as well. And you'll experience this in the wine glass. And if we think of red fruit flavors, same thing. You have some strawberries, you've sliced them up, you didn't eat all of them, they've sat on the counter for a couple of days, and you could enjoy them, but they're just not going to show well, and the flavor's not there, and it just seems off. So oxidized in regards to how to detect it, think about if you left a piece of fruit on the counter and how oxygen impacts it. It just slowly degrades it and breaks it down to a point where the fruit is just not enjoyable. And it's just sort of dead in the glass, if you will. Now, how fast is oxygen impact? It really depends on the amount that it's exposed to. We have to think of wine as a living product in that as soon as we open up that closure, oxygen starts to break it down. The longer that it is open, the more impact oxygen is going to have to it. And this is where we get into this three-day guideline of once you open up a bottle of wine, at some point it's going to cross over where you're just not comfortable with the palate profile anymore of that wine. Now, maybe a little bit different for everybody. Sometimes some people only drink a wine on the first day they open it. Other people are fine leaving it for five days. That's up to you. I usually recommend three days as a baseline in regards to it's starting to change over. And that's my personal preference. You will find your own. And this is where we have some of those closures where you can spray into a wine bottle and that basically creates a layer of protection over the wine inside the bottle. It's like a layer of saran wrap coming from a spray can. This is what the enomatic machines do. They're working with pressure 
keep oxygen away, but at some point it just can't sustain itself anymore. And that's what we are looking for in regards to oxidized wine styles. So just remember, as soon as you open up the bottle, oxygen starts to impact that wine slowly over time. Now within a bottle, we do have that airspace and that's called the oolage. And the oolage does allow for some oxygen in the bottle to work with the wine because the wine does have a life force and a little bit of oxygen does help it develop. But too much oxygen expedient its death and unfortunately crosses over that line to where the fruit just isn't vibrant and fresh anymore, nor is it developed as in an aged wine, is just to the point that it no longer has its best profile to put forward to us. So oxidization can be a kiss of death in regards to it's just not a wine style you're going to want to enjoy. Now, my helpful sommelier tip here is if you are dining at a restaurant and you're ordering wines by the glass, which is a fabulous way to try different wine styles, but if you are at a restaurant and you have a glass and you're feeling that the wine is just not showing well, it's a completely fair question to ask the server or the wine sommelier, can you tell me when this wine was opened? I feel like it's just not showing its best. Again, how long you keep a bottle open will impact how it shows to you in the glass. So it's a completely fair question to ask at a restaurant if you're dining out, when was this bottle opened, especially in a by the glass pour? So let's recap about the three most common wine faults we've covered today. We've covered cork taint, which is probably one of the most common ones you're going to come across. And what you're looking for on the nose are those wet, musty aromas. They may be just light or they may be right in your face. It's really going to depend on the amount of cork taint in that wine. The second fault we talked about was a matterized fault, which basically means cooked wine. It's been cooked in the bottle. And what happens here is the wine, when it gets warm, you're going to get those stewed fruit flavors. It's going to dull the shine in regards to your visual assessment. So when you look at the glass, it's not going to be as vibrant. And as it cooks, it's also going to transition into more of those brown tones for white wines and dull browns as well in those reds. So you will notice a color change in a matterized wine style as it cooks. And our third and final fault that we talked about was oxidization, which basically means it's had too much contact with oxygen and it has sped up its death to the point that it's going to be more vinegar, it's going to be dull fruit, the color is going to be impacted, it's going to be dull in the glass and something that you're just not going to enjoy has no life left in the glass for you. And with all three of these faults, the wine is just not showing at its best. Now, as I discussed at the very beginning, if you do consume a wine that does have a fault, it's not going to hurt you. You probably are just going to be left thinking that this is a wine style you never want to try again. If you are in a restaurant and you run into a wine that does have a fault, then speak up. We know that between 2 and 10% of bottles have a wine fault in them potentially. And so what will happen is if you let the person at the restaurant know that you feel that there is something not healthy about this wine style, they're going to replace it for you. This happens. We know it. Same is if you've purchased the bottle, you've taken it home, always pour a small glass first before you pour the whole bottle. And by doing that, you'll do an assessment. Now, because you've poured yourself just a small amount of that wine, if the wine store is close and you've called them and you've let them know that you've experienced a wine fault, then in some areas, you may be able to just bring that bottle back and they're going to give you a new bottle to try of that wine style. But the bottle's going to have to be fairly full because in some areas, what happens then is the wine store then can return that bottle and get credit for it. So depending on where you live and the rules and regulations, you may be able to return that bottle to the store and just get a replacement. 
Now, my caveat on this always is the wine store is going to want to see that the bottle is basically almost full. So it's always a good tip to just pour a small glass as you're ready to enjoy that bottle. Pour a small glass first. And then if it is a fault, put the cork back in it or the closure back on it and call the wine store and ask if you can bring it back and swap it out for a healthy bottle. I hope that you have found this episode helpful today, learning about wine faults, how to detect them, and what to do when you do detect one. So whether you're at a restaurant or enjoying them at home, no wine store or winery wants you enjoying wine that's not at its best health. And so we definitely want you to let us know that the wine is not healthy so that we can replace it and you can try that wine style at its best. If you've enjoyed today's episode, be sure to like, share, and subscribe so you never miss an episode. New episodes come out every Tuesday. And if you have any questions or comments about today's episode, you can reach out at hello at winegirlacademy.com or come say hi on Instagram or TikTok at winegirlacademy. You'll find me there. Now the fall food and wine pairing guide is now available. The link is in the show notes below and it'll take you right to where you can download your free copy. I wanna wish you a wonderful week. Cheers to you. Bye now.